This is Train of Thought. My name is Ajay Ponder. My first experience of the alt-right was Curtis Yarvin. In the mid to late aughts, Yarvin, writing as Mencius Moldbug, wrote several thousand word long essays citing history books from the 1920s about an ideology that he called formalism and that everyone else called neo-reaction. There are five fundamental premises to neo-reaction. One. Progressivism is a never-ending march to decentralize power. Two. Modern-day conservatism is just progressivism on a 30 or 40-year delay. Three. Progressivism is a modern-day religion, pumped out by academia and the media. Yarvin calls it apparatus the cathedral, and its highest promulgators, Brahmins. Four. Progressivism is the slow demise of law and order in society. Five. The solution is monarchy. Not hereditary monarchy, but something along the lines of a CEO with the board of directors and total control over a sovereign nation. Premises one and two, I like. Premise three sounds like something socialists would say. Just replace progressivism with neoliberalism and strip away Yarvin's knack for catchy buzzwords. Premises four and five are the kickers. And despite Yarvin's long-winded writing and slightly flawed arguments, homicide rates have been trending down for centuries, his proposal moving forward is interesting. A government organized like a corporation with an army or a venture capital firm with a police force sounds interesting. Yarvin relies on a MacGuffin to keep the king slash CEO from pulling a full Caligula, but otherwise, what if? But near reaction is more than interesting ideas on economics. In fact, it's a subset of a more destructive ideology. The alt-right. Those who know me know about the alt-right. I don't shut up about them, and I'm not sorry. The alt-right is important because they're proof that racism and sexism and authoritarianism, what bell hooks tie together with the term patriarchy, are not going to die with the boomers. These folks are still around. They're not old people, and they're among us. The alt-right did Gamergate. The alt-right did the rabid puppies. The alt-right are the 4chaners and Twitter eggs who harass feminists and tweet free Milo. And whenever I talk about the alt-right, I tell people to follow Vox Day. Vox Day. Vox Day is the nom de guerre of Theodore Beale. Yes, it's a play on the Latin phrase for word of God. He's a saint, a thought leader in the alt-right scene. I've read two blogs of his. They're both on old blogspot templates for some reason. He writes frequently, tweets even more frequently, and retweets other alt-writers so often that I wonder what else he does with his life. August 5th, 2016, at Vox Day tweets, quote, The Obama administration will hit its goal of admitting 10,000 Syrian refugees. 
End quote. No citation. The United States government has a goal of importing Muslims. Beale is my window into the alt-right. He checks all the boxes. He's a white nationalist. He's anti-free trade. He's viciously anti-feminist. And he's convinced that he is always right all the time. He's more extreme than Milo Yiannopoulos and far less funny. He will live beyond Trump. And thus, he is the real danger to a dream of a more just society. Let's dive into his world. A quick warning. We'll explore the depths of misogyny and white supremacy. There are also racist and ableist slurs coming. Take a deep breath first. Theodore Beale crusades against feminism, anti-racism, immigration, trans rights, and all other attempts at equality. In fact, he crusades against equality, or globalism as he puts it, as a whole. In his world, immigrants are flooding the West, threatening to destroy civilization as we know it. He claims not to have an issue with non-white people. He just wishes they could go back to the mud huts and genetically inferior cultures that they came from. In his view, immigrants destroy local culture, which is why they must only be allowed to vote after three generations. Beale constantly retweets news stories of Muslim immigrants and refugees assaulting, raping, murdering young white women in Europe. Beale finds enough of these assaults to make an almost convincing argument for voting for Trump or UKIP or Pegida or the National Front. But I wonder what he leaves out or chooses to ignore. August 6th, 2016. At Vox Day tweets, quote, Genetic selection is making humanity less intelligent. End quote. No citation. Translation. Stop mudsharking, morons. A looked up mudsharking. It's a pejorative term for dating black women. Speaking of women, Beale's opinions are barely more charitable than Duke Nukem's, and again, far less funny. He has the same old arguments that women should remain homemakers and mothers instead of having careers or agency or a right to vote. But his view of women goes further with something that he calls the sociosexual hierarchy. The sociosexual hierarchy is a lens, like Marxism or feminism, except that this lens is from the toxic masculinity starter pack. It's a way of comparing men. The women are for the scoreboard. I'll explain. At the top are the alphas, the Dan Bilzerians of the world, executives, playboys, archetypes of Western masculinity. Below them are the betas, the salmon shorts, the fraternity brothers bowed in hero worship to the resident alphas. Then we find the deltas, the quote, everyday guy, the ones who fade into the background. And then the gammas, the lonely, nice guys who will maybe find someone who will settle for them. And at the bottom are the omegas, the dregs of manliness, the ones who end up on Wizard Chan bragging about how they haven't bothered with 3D porn in several years. Beale provides only two metrics to define where men go on the sociosexual hierarchy. How many women one sleeps with, and how attractive those women are. 
This stands in contrast with Beale's equally strong conviction that women should withhold sex until marriage. It ignores the possibility that women have any individuality, and it questions why women would want anything but wholesale submission to a strong man. A disappointingly incoherent ideology hides behind Milo's snappy phrase, feminism is cancer. But that cancer is apparently spreading. Beale and his contemporaries warn of the scourge of the social justice warriors, or SJWs for short. The unattractive misandrist women, the dumpy, delta, and gamma men, they are coming for your work and your play. They are swarming. Speaking out against racism, shooting female-led movies, making lip service attempts at curbing harassment of women, they are all signs that institutions have become SJW-converged, rhetorical Chernobyls radiating liberal bile. The establishment failed to resist, like cuckolded husbands, but the alt-right has taken up and expanded upon the promise of the National Review. They don't stand athwart history yelling, stop. They're lobbing grenades at history and burning down what's left in the name of Western culture. Maybe that lust for fire is why Beale calls himself Supreme Dark Lord on Twitter. It aligns with Milo Yiannopoulos' self-appointed title of the most fabulous supervillain on the internet. The alt-right seems to have accepted the mantle of the bad guy, perhaps to mock the SJWs and conservatives terrified by their Trump power thrust into mainstream discourse. But the cruel irony of the eugenic rhetoric, the mocking and blocking of dissent, and the male-dominated discourse about what women want or need is that Beale considers himself a master of debate. August 5th, 2016. At Vox Day retweets. At Outright Vin. Since understanding at Vox Day's rhetoric versus dialectic, I have won all debates I would have otherwise walked away from a draw. But there's a problem with Beale's style of argument. It's not argument. It's posturing. He parades around his large vocabulary size as proof that he's a smart man. He extols the power of science and logic, but never cites his quotes on Twitter. He pontificates about how SJWs harass in silence while ignoring the countless examples of semi-anonymous alt-writers harassing and silencing. For all his screaming about dialectic, he never bothers with the antithesis or the synthesis. He simply beats you over the head with his thesis, withholds his evidence, and berates your stupidity when you ask for his reasoning. August 7th, 2016. At Vox Day tweets. Sweet Darwin, but are uneducated. Quote, One millimeter of epidural does not determine brain function, only fascists try that bullshit story. End quote. No citation. August 7th, 2016. At, a J. Ponday replies to, at, Vox Day. Then show the evidence. Oh wait, you never do. August 7th, 2016. At, Vox Day replies to, at, a J. Ponday.
You are science illiterate and muted for stupidity. And yet the right rails on about feminists silencing critics. But the scariest part of the alt-right is neither the racism nor the harassment. It's their approach to facts. Their narrative is impenetrable to defense. If the media is an SJW-converged lie factory, then you can reject all criticism from the media. If feminists are fundamentally wrong, then nothing they say merits any consideration. If everyone with you is inherently right, and everyone against you is inherently wrong, then why bother listening to dissent? Why not simply hold tighter to your facts with steel-plated conviction that you were correct? The alt-right is not the only guilty party here. I've heard the same tone of argument everywhere. If the New York Times and Vox.com are neoliberal shills, then why read their articles about government inefficiencies? If Gary Johnson is not a libertarian for supporting driver's licenses, then why consider any argument for public investment? If a Mexican judge is inherently unfit to handle a Donald Trump case, then why listen to Mexican people at all? If the police are fundamentally racist and violent, then why have a good faith discussion about how to improve the police? Everyone is convinced that they are right. So does that mean nobody's right? Facts are fake. Reality is a hologram. And in our postmodern filter bubble age, that has never been more obvious. If you avoid the right media outlets, if you wage total war on the right institutions, if you make the right guesses to questions with no answers, you can take up any set of facts you like. You can take the free market as gospel. You can maintain that capitalism is the only evil in the world. You can say vaccines cause autism. You can unskew every poll you come across. After all, bias is relative. There was a time when you needed tarot cards and secret orders to realize that reality is merely what you make of it. 40 years ago, you could pull that trick off with a few years of chaos magic. But that's obsolete too. Now, all you need to do is follow the right people on Twitter. Script, narration, music, and production by Ajay Pandey. New episodes come every Friday. Thank you.